Okay, welcome back to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. Although I might have to start calling it the Hot Tea and Cool Movie Podcast, <laughs> as for a second week in a row, there's no beer on the table. Uh, kind of the opposites this time, as I was the one that was uh, struck down, down by uh, germs. It was only a matter of time, I feel. And you had been sick for a while. Seemingly everybody I work with has been sick for a while. So I've been hacking it up for a while. I am just having some nice uh, black Earl Grey tea All right. with honey. It smells nice and citrusy. And, uh, and it's nice. And in solidarity with you, um, mm-hmm. I'm actually having hot chocolate. Right. With a dash of coffee and, and a little hazelnut liqueur. Because so not exactly in solidarity. Sort of. I mean, mine has I, mine has a dash of honey. I bet if you had a dash of liqueur in there, <laughs> you might be feeling a little bit better. That's true. But I also have a thing to do later tonight. That is true. So, <clears throat> so. But I, I will say, um, I did bring home a selection of beers. Yes, you did. When you were feeling better. So um, maybe we'll be talking about them at our next podcast. Yes, the two in particular, which have a theme, kind of. I did. I got uh, us a I'm looking theme. forward to that. Yes. Yeah, so probably next week, barring uh, onset of bubonic plague. So It's not that bad. So we, uh, we ended up, did, despite my illness, we did make it into a movie theater this week. Yes. So after the top five episode, we're back to doing a movie. Uh, didn't come out in 2018, but pretty close. I think it came out on Christmas Day. Oh, did it really? I'm pretty sure. I think that's what the movie poster says. So that might mean it came out Christmas Day, like in you know select areas or whatever, huh. but not nationwide. Uh, See, that seems very interesting to me because it totally does not feel like a Christmas Day movie. No, not really. Like what so. do they call that? Like anti-programming, or I'm saying hmm. that wrong. I don't know. Anyway, we went and saw Molly's Game. Yes, we did. It is the true story, or sort of true Based story. Based on true story of Molly Bloom, and starring Jessica Chastain. And Idris Elba. A couple of favorites of mine. I've really liked Jessica Chastain since I saw her in Zero Dark Thirty. Mm-hmm. And uh, try to see everything that she's done since. I think she's great. And we both really like Idris Elba. Yes. This also surprisingly had, I didn't realize it before we even saw him come up on screen, Kevin Costner's in this. I know. No, I didn't even realize. I feel like I had done, well, I hadn't paid any attention to any of the previews about uh-huh. this movie at all. Like, I, I basically knew that it was about a person named Molly Bloom, and then I kind of remembered the whole poker game thing, but honestly, I had paid so little attention that I went into this very um, just not with zero expectations and so seeing some of these actors who popped up here and there was just a good good surprise. Yeah, I mean I'm kind of the same way. I just remember seeing the first trailer for it and it looked like it was going to be pretty good starring two people I really like. Mm -hmm. And so, and uh, yeah and it is. I think we both found it really quite good. Yes. Definitely. So before we get into um, talking about the movie, and since we don't, we're not having any real beer discussion uh, today. I do. We are going to do some movie news, though. I found some stuff to run by you. All right, see let's go. 
And this one, the first one, I'm gonna is gonna be uh, essentially a, it's a rumor that mm-hmm. I just saw. Like mm-hmm. I was getting setting up the laptop and stuff, and I just saw it on my phone from Comic Book Resources. Rumored, Jake Gyllenhaal is making air quotes, probably replacing Ben Affleck as Batman. That's too bad. I, I really do think so. I absolutely did not dislike this Batman. Ben Affleck's portrayal of like more of a exhausted older Batman who's been fighting his entire life. So um, I I actually think it'll be quite tragic if they replace him so soon. Yeah. I mean, because the problem with the character is not Ben Affleck. The problem with the character is whoever's writing the script. You know, it's the script that's terrible. And so I feel like that's, um, you know, they're just trying to like get a good scapegoat out of it. And so, I mean, I've heard the that there's an opportunity in the new um, Flashpoint, you know, yeah. the Flash version to like redo the Batman. universe, yeah, yeah kind the of universe, universe and reset whole, it a bit. Yeah, but again, if they don't have good writing, it really doesn't matter. That'll be a big waste. Um, as much as we didn't like Batman versus Superman. Uh, there was some uh, some stuff laid with this Batman's past that could have been really cool to go back and explore. They I could, know. I mean, they could have gone back and done a. This is there's a apparently a dead Robin. You know mm-hmm. who was it? How it happened? They could have gone back and explored that, and that having that be a good movie right. could have kind of maybe in retrospect lent, made those other movies seem a little better. You know, I know through that lens, if that makes You're any sense. You're so optimistic. I don't know. But but also, you know, you kind of get the impression that maybe Ben Affleck himself is just kind of done with dealing with the bullshit of the studio and what he's had to go through. And so if yeah. his heart's not in it, which kind of, from stuff I've read, might be the case, then I'd... Then you know, better they do find someone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. I don't yeah. know. Like, we'll keep my mind open. But I, I will say, I think that it's a little too soon. Everybody wants to jump on the dump Affleck train. Like somehow that's mm. what's wrong with those movies. And not everybody does. And it's not. It is not him. No, I don't think so either. So, anyway, I'll be yeah. disappointed. All right. Uh, also, um, just I think we're about a month away from uh, Black Panther. Which uh, apparently outdid Captain America: Civil War for uh, ticket pre-sales. Awesome! I so love it. It's now the best. Uh, it's done the best from any Marvel movie as far as that goes. That's fantastic. For, I yeah for a solo, you know. Yeah, I mean, so I think what's really cool about this is like, in many ways, this is like a new, up and coming. Um, like revelation for all of the bigwigs who do everything in terms of you know what movies what movies they quote unquote know will sell versus which ones won't mm-hmm. last year it was wonder woman you know like a female superhero could never carry her own movie um because they've made really terrible movies um and they didn't they made a great one and wonder woman broke all sorts of records and it was fantastic and now you have black panther you know mm-hmm. starring really essentially the first black superhero you know um in like his solo movie and it's set in um an african nation you know a big portion of it and so and i think 
several years ago you would have well even maybe now you still you're still going to have people out there who are like oh but the reason we don't make those movies is because there's not a market for them right right and so this is amazing that it's just shattering all sorts of records and because marvel is making it you know it's going to be good Mm -hmm. you know marvel has kind of developed this proven track record that they can take these movies and do a lot of really good things with it so, um, you know, like that was kind of the thing that Wonder Woman didn't have in its favor is that DC was not doing a good job with their movies. Right. So there was all sorts of risk. And 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 so it was like this great surprise, um, whereas this is kind of less a surprise in that people trust Marvel. That's true. Um, it is something to be said, though, that Captain America Civil War uh, was being joked at the time as being essentially Avengers 2.5. Right, you know, because he had all those other superheroes, superheroes, all those other main characters in it. This movie doesn't, right? You know, as far it, as, as we know, as far as we know, but they haven't been marketing it that way, right. which was not the case with, Cap- with Civil War. So that's pretty neat that it, you know, despite that, it's still. I know. You know Do we have our tickets yet, babe? Uh, no, we haven't. We got to talk scheduling because okay. I thought you might be out of town that weekend. Well, we will make arrangements to make sure I don't miss that. Okay. Um, I do think that it is, um, like, those are weird comparisons. Like, people joked about Civil War being 2.5. But honestly, it's kind of like what made Spider-Man so great to have, like, to have um, Iron Man show up. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in the same city. The You know, when they have these solo movies and you're like, well... What is everybody else doing while this massive world-threatening event is happening? Right. And apparently they're just, what, all on vacation in a remote area with no electronics whatsoever to notify them? So I actually kind of liked that you have superheroes interacting in solo movies a bit. Yeah. So I think I would be surprised if we don't see anybody. For example, I'm fairly certain that we will see... Um, the Winter Soldier. The soldier. I think they'll thaw him out. Well, because he's in, he's in Avengers. Yeah. yeah, he's in Wakanda, and he's going to be in Avengers Infinity War, and you see him. Mm-hmm. So I think that he's probably going to get thought out. Yeah, I'm going to steal an, uh, something from one of my other, one of my favorite podcasts, The Weekly Planet, because mm-hmm. they were talking about uh, superhero movies, and you know, with with you know, uh, Civil War, and then um, you know, Spider-Man: Homecoming, Thor: Ragnarok. They like the idea of going forward. A lot of these movies essentially become team-up movies. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of you have a like a, a solo Ant-Man movie where it's Ant-Man's story, but also coming along for the ride is whoever, whoever. Right. Yeah, so th- those would be a lot more fun. I think. See the Falcon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so. la- last thing. Uh, last week there was some news that the uh, director of Deadpool, a guy named Tim Miller, was working on. A movie based on the X-Men character Kitty Pride, mm-hmm. a Kitty Pride solo movie, which, like within I want to say 24 hours, that news was totally overshadowed by news that uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios had hired a screenwriter to start working on a Black Widow solo movie. Yeah. So all of that, both of those things came out within 24 hours of each other. I think they are both totally awesome, and I think it's great. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens now that the X-Men universe is under Disney. Yeah. Um, and by extension, then Marvel Studios. 
So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. I hope they do both. Yeah. I think that would be great. I think it would be awesome to do um, a Kitty Pride story that actually is the Days of Future Past as it was meant to be, where Kitty Pride is the main character and she's the one who goes back in time, not Wolverine. Yeah. So, I mean, I know they won't do that, but right. I think it would be awesome if they did. Yeah, and it's... It's, you know, I'm glad, I mean, I hope both those films come to fruition, especially Black Widow, mm-hmm. uh, because, I mean, for all the success and all the good movies Marvel has made, that's the one thing that has always been a bummer, is that DC beat them to the first, to having, putting out their uh, female-fronted female superhero. superhero movie, when Marvel had all the chance in the world to right. make, whether it was Captain Marvel, or give, um, what, what's her name? Who plays Black Widow? My mind is. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson to yeah. give Jar- because she's great and mm-hmm. she and the action scenes they give her, especially the Russo brothers, are great. Right. And so, I mean, long um, time coming. I hope that they actually follow through and finish it and give it to, and make it. I do too. I think they need to make one. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm excited for Captain Marvel to come out eventually. Yeah. Um, I know Next that's year. sitting out there on the horizon. Um, the only the only disappointment I have is that. They've got that movie coming out this summer um, with Jennifer Lawrence called Red Sparrow. Yeah. Which looks almost exactly like it looks Black like a, Widow. Uh, yeah. But, like, they don't have the rights, so they can't use that terminology. Right. So I feel almost, though, as though it might be a... I don't know where it's going to fit. And so... Because you okay. can't do an origin story now because they're doing red sparrow and everybody would just make comparisons yeah i don't think that no i don't think anybody would want to see i mean you kind of already know her origin Mm -hmm. enough i'd rather see something right yeah i'm hoping for the end of the origin stories yes me too i mean i know they're going to do that with captain marvel but i'm kind of hoping that they just start moving forward yeah okay well that's all the news i have okay for this one uh so i guess we'll just go ahead and get into the movie stuff Again, we're going to talk about Molly's Game. That's right. Starring Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba. And so when we get to this part, we uh, have come up with our three favorite things or bits or awesome parts of the movie that we saw. We haven't shared them with each other until we started recording now. Uh, take turns going back and forth and uh, spoil the warning about uh, if you haven't seen this movie and you don't want to hear certain secrets because we won't hold back. Um about any of that stuff, plot details might be divulged, depending on what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So you've been forewarned. Yes. Okay, so. All right, so I went first last time. Okay. So you get to go first this time. Okay, so one of my favorite parts, uh, it happened, it starts right from the beginning. So the opening part of this movie is you have this kind of voiceover of Jessica Chastain as Molly Bloom uh, narrating uh, as you see her getting ready to uh, go down this ski run of moguls. Mm-hmm. Molly Bloom was legitimately an a, Olympic skier. An yeah. Olympic level skier. She was quali- trying to qualify for the Olympic team. Moguls, it's very detailed. You know, it lets you know how driven she was by her, by her di- dad as well as like by herself mm-hmm. into this sport. Uh, where she stood kind of nationally, you know, how this, how she had worked uh, a previous injury that she had had, what she had struggled to overcome to get to this point in her life, 
how th- she was like the, I believe they said the third ranked uh, women's mogul mm-hmm. skier in the in America at the time, and like the people in front of her hadn't done it quite as well. So it was all there. If she had a really good run, she can make the Olympic team, and then if everything breaks right, she has a shot at maybe at a medal once she gets to the Olympics. Uh, But before they get down to all that detail, she talks about how there was some sort of poll asking people what, you know, the worst feeling in sports was. And some people answered, you know, losing a game seven or losing a Super Bowl on the last play. And somebody answered, you know, finishing fourth place in the Olympics. And then it goes through this, you know, detailing all the pain, all the work, all the everything to get to this point Mm -hmm. where she was going to make the Olympic team. And then how that tragically doesn't happen. How this just unbelievable one in a million thing happened. And right. And made her wreck just horrifically so. She did not make the Olympic team because of this one in a five million thing that happened, right? Right. And then she ends the voiceover, the narration of that whole sequence ends with her saying, this really doesn't have anything to do with anything. I just wanted to say the first people who answered finishing fourth in the Olympics, fuck you. I know. <laughs> it's like this perfect moment. And it kind of lays out her personality right from the bats. And it's it lets you know, you know the type, the person she is, uh, the sense of humor you're going to experience throughout the movie. And there's a lot of narration from her. And really, I like all of it. All the mm-hmm. voiceover stuff, she's really great. So of all of the narration that Jessica Chastain does, uh, that opening bit does a lot to get you sucked right into the movie, and it's pretty, right, and it's really good. And that line is really funny. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was kind of unexpected because beforehand it's really setting you up, and it's very fast paced, and she's mm-hmm. talking fast, and it's all facts and going and moving right. and everything, and then it's just like this pause of like, to that person, I just want to say, fuck you. And then, like, and then the movie starts, and you're and then, kind of yeah. like, oh, okay, this yeah. is going to be a different kind of movie. Um, well, that kind of um, segues nicely into one of the things I really liked about this movie, uh-huh. which, which was just the humor, the wittiness about the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that that's also very Alan Sorkin. I Aaron. mean, Aaron Sorkin, that's yeah. what I meant, sorry. Um, that he, it, like, a lot, I was looking at just kind of, like, movies that he's directed and written screenplays for and I was like oh yeah okay I know this kind of pace of writing and this witty banter back and forth Um, and I really liked it because I Jessica Chastain is one of those characters who when I see her in a movie I like her in that movie Mm -hmm. but if we step away from a movie and you say well what's a movie that she's been in I, I can I rarely remember and it's not that she's not very talented it's just for some reason, I just don't, like, she doesn't stand out to me. Like, she, I don't have a, I, it's not memorable for me to walk away. Like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I know I like stuff that she's in, but I cannot think of, can't think of anything right away. So this one, but I think I will after this. She's very witty. She's charming. Um, and she's got, you know, spunk and humor and it just it was really funny we laughed a lot in this movie and i liked that yeah she plays uh smart women mm-hmm. in the movie in the movies i've seen her in aaron sorkin writes smart characters saying very smart things it's right what he has built a career on 
this is actually the first m- movie he's ever directed. This is, mm-hmm. you know, but he's written a ton of TV shows, t- TV and, shows, yeah. and uh, other movies. He is one of the preeminent preeminent screenwriters of our time. Right. So, and you can the dialogue is very much him, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, my uh, second thing I'm going to say is there's a scene towards kind of towards the end where. Uh, as you're getting down to her having to have her day in court and dealing with the stresses and pressures of that. And as the movie goes on, you find out that she's kind of not had a falling out with her father. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he shows up. Uh, Her, Kevin Costner, shows up in New York, and there's a scene with them on, like, a park bench. Mm -hmm. And this scene starts off, I was about to hate it. (laughs) <laughs> I was I was about to get angry at it and I was like I was like oh I I don't like where this is going because her dad is a psychologist mm-hmm. and he says oh, we're going to do you know 3 years, years of, of therapy, therapy in 10 minutes. minutes or whatever you have three to three minutes right and he immediately says that she has an addiction to controlling powerful men and he alludes to, and that's because, and that's my fault that you have this. And I was like, are they going to turn this scene and therefore this entire movie into a daddy issue? They're going right. to make it about him. I'm going to be so damn angry if that's what this scene ends yep. up being. And in a lesser movie, that would have happened. They would have left that out there as like, you know, they probably would never resolve that him saying that and just left it out there as a possibility, and maybe that's really what's her mm-hmm. deal is or whatever. But then. Eventually, Kevin Costner comes back to that and admits, I only said that to make you angry. Right. So that we could get to this other resolution that they eventually get to. He admits to a lot of shit, you know, that he was, uh, his infidelities that he had to her mom, you know, tells her, it's like, uh, like, you knew, you know, you saw me, you caught right. me when I was five years old. So when you, she was five years old. When she old. was five years old. So you just weren't didn't understand what you saw. So it's been in your mind that you knew I was doing this without realizing it, and you know. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it's a really uh, heartfelt and heartbreaking yeah. scene. Um, and you know, then he like you know, hasn't been in touch with his daughter for you know years. Apparently, what it made it sound like. Uh, at one point in the movie, she gets attacked by a mobster, mm-hmm. beaten up really horrifically, really viciously and he just goes on this big daddy you know uh you know they'll feel my wrath yeah you know type They're of gonna thing die. he needs to die my baby I forget was hurt. exactly what he says but he makes it seem like he is serious he's yeah. gonna try to go kill a mobster and she's like you don't want don't do you don't want to do that but uh, that scene went from being something like i am about to hate this to turn to to really turning it around and it's really really nice and you know I agree. I was a little worried as as well that they were because there's something else earlier too where she makes somebody makes a comment about um, her like her enjoying the power she had over all these men, uh-huh. and you know, and she corrects them. She's like, it wasn't that. It was it was the game, the lure of the game, and the excitement. You know, right. but like, and I was worried too. I was like, they're just gonna break this down into all of her. All of everything she did, whether or not you like it or don't like it, you know, agree with it, don't agree with it, mm-hmm. everything that she built and she did came right down to, I'm doing this because I have daddy issues. Right. And, and they they fixed that, which yes. was good, which was really good. So, um, well, my, one of the other things I really liked 
was Michael Cera mm-hmm. playing Player X. <laughs> right. Because he's got this little cherubic baby face, you know, and so to see him kind of be this, you know, supposedly badass poker player who goes to all these games and everything like right. that. Um, just, it was really hard to take it seriously. And then it was even harder when, um, you know, I was just reading up a little bit about this afterwards and they were like, player X is supposedly Tobey Maguire. Right, I saw that. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, they took a baby-faced actor and the person playing him is another baby-faced actor. Like, that's right. so adorable. Um, and... Uh, so I just thought he did a good job of kind of this tongue-in-cheek piece of I'm playing a famous actor who is, but I'm I'm winking at the actual famous actor, actor. that I'm playing. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought that was really good. I think he does a good job of kind of, you know, both being charming and also, you know, a poor loser and getting yeah. pissy about things. Being when the time came for him to be a real son of a bitch, he did he it well. Will. And I was like, "Whoa, this and is this is not the guy who's like in." That's not Scott Pilgrim. I, exactly. I was <laughs> like, I am really confused right now. But he did. Um, he did a great job. I thought he was a good. Um, he was a good actor. Although interesting, like in the movie, he's the one who steals the game from her. Right. In, in Hollywood and what from what I was reading it's not it wasn't player X who did it it was somebody it was another uh, player regular player at the game another actor yeah but, but player X is the one who called and was like ha right. you know oh, yeah and was like kind of rubbed it in her face right yeah. so um, but anyway so I just yeah. thought Michael Cera was just super cute and I was trying to have a like really keep it in mind like oh yeah okay yeah. That, that that's so adorable <laughs> yeah that was it was funny I like because uh, they make a big deal about how in the movie she's like uh, this person was a famous Hollywood actor superhero superhero played a superhero right but we're just gonna call him player X and I thought it would maybe be a little harder to figure out who that was but it's like yeah it just like you just go I online know. it's like yeah it was apparently Tobey Maguire he's I know a, he, <laughs> he's apparently a dick yeah <laughs> in real life and the stories are are uh they're several hilarious yeah all right, so my last thing that I'm going to say happens toward, again towards the end is there uh, Idris Elba, who plays uh, Molly's lawyer. Uh, they're meeting with the prosecuting attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the begin- when they first meet, Idris Elba wants really nothing to do with her case. Right. He kind of looks down his nose at her, uh, makes a lot of assumptions about the type of woman she is, I, th- I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the end, you know, he decides kind of last second to take her case. And then kind of ends it all with this big, super angry, just ranting, you know, at these at the two prosecutors about, you know, you know, it's BS that she's being caught up in this uh, in this case against Russian mobsters. She has Mm -hmm. no business being like, you know, caught up in this and you know that she shouldn't be here. You just think that if you bring enough you know, scary government power to bear that this girl will just, you know, cave and do what you want because that's all you think of her as. Right. You know, but this is, and then, you know, just rattles off, you know, all the... uh, Things that she knows. She knows, and the things that, secrets that she's kept that could have ruined lives and and families and et cetera, and things that have been asked for for her, the money that she could have had if she would have just, you know, uh, just rolled over and... But that kind of really reveals what he's found, um, the type of person that she is, and just the delivery of it, 
um, and mm-hmm. um, it was really great. It's really solid. Super angry. Idris Elba. When yeah. Idris Elba Idris goes Elba. on a rant, you yeah. pay attention. Idris Elba at pink peak. Idris Elba. Yes. Yes. So He's great. So great. Um. Well. It, I have to say that the other thing I liked that came out of this movie was um, a grudging respect for Molly Bloom. Like, it doesn't really matter what I think of, like, the game or whether or not it was legal or illegal or any of that. Uh Um, She has a kind of a crazy level of integrity. She, to this day, has... She has not mentioned any name of any player in any of her games... Other than the ones that were already released in other lawsuits and, yeah, and from a, other a certain sources. indictment or like, whatever deposition, from yeah, from case. Bad Brad, you know, right, right. <laughs> um, and so she has not actually ever named any of the names or given out any of the information or told any of the stories that she knows, right? And that's kind of that's a crazy level of integrity if you think about it. I think you don't see that very often in this day and age. Like people are pretty willing to, um, you know, they, they everybody has that moment where they're willing to to give names and to sell out for that to the highest bidder and mm-hmm. to like get the scandal and get the story and all of those things. And she has not done that. Yeah. You know, she lived with her mom, and her mom was like mortgaging their house to help pay for bills. Um, so that she could maintain that level of integrity, yeah. you know, throughout the court case. And I think that that's pretty impressive. And even in the book and in the movie, you know, she talks about her own flaws, too. Like, she doesn't hide the fact that she became addicted to... To drugs. To drugs. To- and, and that she was, you know, she was also addicted to the excitement of the game and and the idea of running a game, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's that's kind of impressive it's hard you could there's so many things that people would try and blame it on like she could blame it on her daddy issues and she could blame you know on all these things but she's just like no i i became addicted to that to to running the game and that level of excitement and that level of you know being able to invite people and vetting people and having the exclusive club club right and um and then yeah and i also became addicted to you know, to drugs and alcohol. And she talks, um, at one point in time in an interview, she was asked, like, what do you think would have happened if the FBI hadn't have got, hadn't been involved? And she said, it probably would not have ended well for me. You know, she's pretty um, upfront about the fact that she was not headed down the right path, like a good path. Right. And that things would have ended bad for her if... if- if the, the FBI would have eventually raided one of her games and maybe scared her straight mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. So um, so anyway, yeah, I just thought that was a, an interesting thing. And also that she said that any losses that she, that happened, like anybody who didn't couldn't cover their losses, like she covered. Uh-huh. That's why she started like kind of doing the, um, whatever the... the raking. Raking. Yeah. Um, because she would blame herself. For that, she would she would blame the fact that if any of her players couldn't cover their own losses, that was her fault for not vetting them enough. 
Oh, I see. You know? Um, and I just thought, what an interesting kind of code of honor that she's really holding to. And yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, because there was a scene in the movie where she meets with uh, someone about selling the book, like mm -hmm. a publisher. And they're like, well, we can give you this much money in advance if you name names. Right. And and she was like brought up, well, what if, you know, what about the names that were already been leaked because of what's his name's deposition? Mm -hmm. They're like, well, not good enough. Mm -hmm. And you know a meeting like that happened in real life. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And she, and she did where she could have taken a big paycheck and just, you know, mm -hmm. made a big gossip, you know, full. Made, right. You know, and just filled that book full of stories and names, but mm -hmm. but didn't. So, yeah, it's pretty impressive. So mm -hmm. I, I gained respect for Molly Bloom. Cool. So, okay. So this is the part where maybe we talk about things that maybe we didn't like mm -hmm. so much or weren't quite a fan of. So, uh, the only thing I really have is right before uh, she runs into Kevin Costner in New York, and they have that scene on the park bench. There's a scene where she gets some ice skates at a public skating rink and goes on a little furious skate furious around, skate around, skate around, you know, and having the security guys at the rink chase her around I, I i didn't see what the point of that was it felt out of place yeah it felt yeah i didn't like that and then just out of nowhere just her dad happened to be at that rink and that's how they found each other i know yeah but yeah that's that really that's <laughs> i so i think this movie is really good and i enjoyed it and mm -hmm. i definitely think people should see it but I think the thing that bothers me most about this movie that I didn't like uh -huh. is um, the fact that, once again, the real story wasn't good enough. Like, the real story is super cool. And a lot of this is pretty faithful to it. Uh -huh. But there are some major glaring errors in it. Like, the first thing is, is that um, Charles Jaffe, Idris Elba's character, uh -huh. is fake doesn't okay. exist and that's like super disappointing and especially since like he his grudging respect for her growing mm -hmm. and the fact that he's got a daughter who is also hard on but he loves and she kind of watches from an adult eye those things you know right. how that interaction plays out from the adult perspective almost and then to find out that he's not real is disappointing um and that um there is oh so he's reading the book and right. that's what convinces her him to take her on but in reality the book wasn't published yet like she was writing the book right the book didn't come out until way after the trial right I saw and that so that also was really disappointing that they use mm -hmm. the book as this integral component of why um idris elba's character begins uh, to like her uh, and instead but, like, that's not how the story went. Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes that creative license is um, almost insulting at times in that the real story about her is super good. I mean, and for the most part, so much of that story is correct, you know? But that there are components in there that are just... That are just different enough but that they I think in many ways they change the tenor of the movie you know like I never really believed that Idris like that uh, Idris Elba's character you know like that law firm chose to like find was like yeah I'm definitely representing her right at the, at last, the last, last second second right. with this like sudden right. piece sure, of that conscience there that, I mean right. but I, I did that. think like 
Oh, but it it is kind of cool to maybe see this evolution of other people's perspectives of Molly as they're working on her case, and mm-hmm. so it just I don't know. Like the movie is really good. The story, her story is really good, and so to kind of add these different pieces in there that aren't real, it's just kind of like it takes away from the believability of the rest of it for me, and it takes away kind of that, like as an audience member. That's what yeah. that's what they thought I needed, and so it just was it was disappointing that um, everything about this story is already a great movie in the making, so they didn't need to add like this fake this fake thread and storyline through it, and that was just disappointing to me. Yeah, well, you know that's that that's gonna happen. I mean, I wonder, did she have like a bunch of lawyers and maybe yeah, they just she had kinda, a team of lawyers. There maybe was... this one guy's like an amalgamation of lawyers, so they didn't have to have five yeah. actors. Um, probably what that's what I would guess. Yeah, I mean, so I just did some reading about it, and they did say, um, yeah, no, she had lawyers. Um, he's a fictional character, but also that when writing the screenplay, um, Aaron Sorkin didn't actually interview Bloom's real life lawyer. Mm. Um, Jim Walden and Sorkin himself said that he wanted to be able to fictionalize the character to best serve the story and not have to worry about keeping him historically accurate. So I'm supposed to believe that this is a story about Molly Bloom, except that, you know, as a director, I don't really want to have to worry about keeping the story accurate or the parts that I don't want to. And I just feel like that just took um, a little bit to get around. I mean, the rest of the movie is great. I just felt like it is already a great story. Don't mess with it. Okay. So. Yeah. Anyway, so that was it. That was it? Nothing else? Not really. I think overall, this movie, it was really entertaining. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I said, so much of the part, you know, the parts of the story that are so real, that are like really accurate, really compelling and it's a different perspective than the way that it had played out in the media you yeah know? so okay well i don't really have anything else as far as negativity stuff goes Mm-mm. um i will say as far as like extra stuff we uh I looked up about the movie um we already mentioned how player x in this movie was apparently uh toby mcguire Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Aaron Sorkin, again, his directorial debut. He was, prior to this, the writer and creator of the TV show The West Wing. Yep. He wrote the screenplays for movies The American President, A Few Good Men, The Social Network, and Moneyball. Yeah. As well as, like, the Steve Jobs movie. Um, let's see, all the card playing, all the, ex, all the extras that were in the card playing scenes were actual... Uh, professional poker players. Yeah, I th- I saw that. I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. Except that Aaron Sorkin did play one of them himself. Uh, he played one of the underground poker players. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Idris Elba and Jessica Chastain, due to scheduling stuff, only had ten days to film the scenes that they had together. I know. So they did rehearsing like online. I'm assuming they meant they skyped together or whatever, and then would rehearse in between scenes. Um. And apparently the real-life Molly Bloom told Aaron Sorkin that Jessica Chastain is who she would want to have play her. Well, that's awesome. So, and that happened. Uh, okay, so I think that'll be it then for Molly's Game. I think so, too. It was a good movie. I definitely think people should go see it. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. 
All right. Well, I think that does it for this week's uh, episode of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcasts. First movie review of 2018. I know. So next week, though, we're doing something a little special. Um, we are going to a thing at the Oregon Symphony. Yep. Where we are going to see the Oregon Symphony play a score, the score of a movie as the movie is being played on a screen above. I know. And that so much movie, fun. It is. We went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark last year mm-hmm. uh, in, with, with the Oregon Symphony. This year, this weekend, we're going to go see... Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. So that's a fun score and a fun movie. The first one. Yes. The first, the good one. Uh, so I think that's what we're going to do next week's podcast on after we go see it uh, at the Oregon Symphony. So that'll be fun. A fun mm-hmm. movie to see. Um, but uh, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find our podcast on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes and Podcast Republic, etc., etc. Uh, maybe rate and review us on any of those places. Um, We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you want to get in touch with us, if you've seen Molly's Game or any of the other movies we've ever done, you can email us at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. I will definitely shout you out and read your email if we get it. Because we haven't right. been that many. <laughs> and uh, and just maybe even suggest a beer for us to try once we get back to that. Yes. Hopefully so, we'll hopefully, be all healthy oh, by next weekend. Next weekend. Indeed. Well, I think... Until next week, then. Go see a movie. And thanks for listening.